Good morning. I'm glad you made it here. Summertime is such a, such a strange time. I'm glad it decided to be summer. What was the first day of summer this week? Yes, uh, yesterday, Wednesday, allegedly Wednesday, but actually yesterday. What a weird year. I'm very thankful, though. The Lord's blessed my garden. Got a lot of rain in my garden. And if the, the deer have not eaten it by the time I get home, I'll be very happy. You ever heard of deer eating potatoes? That's new on me. Like potato leaves. They uh, like the best looking potatoes I've ever had in my life. And the deer comes by and he thought so too. So, yeah. Well, I um, want to remind you the Bible study in the book of Daniel is coming up. That'll be on Wednesdays. Time exactly to be determined unless that has been pinned down recently. Do we have a time yet? Okay, so July the 12th will be the day that it begins, Wednesday, July the 12th, and if you, 6.30, okay, Wednesday, July the 12th at 6.30, and if you are interested in that and haven't already signed up, see David and Lucy. The sign-up sheet is, is not out today, but you can tell them. So, so we'll, I'll say officially now, welcome to the gathering of Recreate Church, where no matter your story, you are welcome, you are wanted, and you are loved. You might have noticed some new banners out there this week. I'm pretty excited about that. We've got some new, new giveaways and bracelets and things. We really want to begin a, our outreach effort afresh with some of these Saturday events here on Main Street. If you'd like to be a part of that, um, we're absolutely taking volunteers for that. We'll be doing some face painting, some giveaways. I don't know what else we'll do. Maybe we'll play some music out there on the street. I think that will be fun. We probably can't compete with the band playing in behind, but uh, we'll be the best music right on Main Street anyway. So, you guys like board games? Who likes board games here? Who, who had like a sibling that made board games no fun for them? Yeah, and like an equal number of hands go up. I love board games so much. Um, when we used to have family gatherings, like on Katie's side, she would have to stop me from bringing board games because she's a normal human being and understands how social situations are supposed to work. And no, these people don't want to play Boggle with you, Michael. They just don't, it's, and it's okay. Love board games. We used to play them a lot more uh, a few years ago. We don't play board games quite as much as we used to. We used to play them all the time. About four or five years ago, um, money was so tight that Christmas was going to be very slim. I'm sure you've had some times like that before. And I prayed, Lord, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And the Lord inspired me to make some board games. So I made like five or six board games, and they were a lot of fun. And uh, we still play them every now and then. One game I did not make, but we used to play all the time, is called the Game of Life. Are you familiar with this game? That's the old school with the little plastic cars, and you have the little blue and pink pegs representing the people, and it's uh, kind of neat. You start out, and you, you go to college, or you go to work, and you choose a career, and you buy a house, and you go through all of these life events, and then get to the end at retirement. Fun game, um, except one little detail in our house. Katie always wins always every time katie wins at life and you already knew that because she married the 27th most eligible bachelor in the suburbs of Silvatus. i mean she's already clearly winning at life but she seriously though she will beat you at life katie wins at life not just because she has fabulous hair. Look at her, how good her hair looks this morning. It looks really good. Brownie points that I will exchange for real brownies. 
hopefully. So, yeah, um, how do you win at life? How do you win at the game of life? It's you, you have the most money at the end. That's how you win at the board game, the game of life. When you get to the end of the road, which is retirement, you have more money than everybody else. That's how you win at the board game of life. Now, for, for a lot of people, our cultural value is that's how you win at real life, too. That you get all the stuff, all the money, and you, you get everything you, you want, and that's how you win. Get all you can before it's over. There's a quote attributed to the millionaire founder of Forbes magazine, he who dies with the most toys wins. To which we might say, he who dies with the most toys still dies. And then what's next? So how do we really win at life? That's, that's the title of this message if you're into message titles, how to win at life. How do we do it? It's got to be more than just getting money. It's got to be more than just getting stuff or power or recognition or social media likes and followers. It's got to be more than self-improvement or accomplishment or not caring what other people think. It's got to be more than that. All of those things are not necessarily bad things, but they will not satisfy. They will leave you wanting because they leave out the most important factor of all. You and me and every other human being that has ever lived was created not just to get stuff, but created for a purpose. He who created us put purpose in us. And if we're not pursuing that purpose... Everything else is not going to satisfy. We are called to a purpose so much greater than getting or accomplishing or impressing. And Jesus helps us understand this. uh, We're going to start out in Mark 8.35. Jesus turns the idea of winning upside down. The one who created us has a deeper sense of purpose and a truer perspective on what it means to win at life. Jesus taught us that winning at life is not about stuff or having stuff or even doing whatever we want to do. And no one can tell us not to do it. Winning at life is found in surrendering our lives for a greater purpose. So here it is. Here's the, here's the line. Um, this is like your little nugget for the day. I always try to do that if possible. Have like one thing that encompasses the truth of the message and this is it. It's maybe on the slide before this. It is the win is in surrender i couldn't quite make it all rhyme but like the second syllable of surrender that that's okay right the win is in surrender the win is in surrender the win is in surrender doesn't sound right surrendering sounds like losing but it's not when you're surrendering your life to the lord so let's read uh mark 8 35 and then we'll pray real quick for whoever desires to save his life will lose it But whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospels will save it. Heavenly Father, please speak to us through this. We need this, Lord. We need to understand that there's so much more to winning at life than this world tells us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have this idea here, this counterintuitive idea. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Is that like self-preservation gone wrong? Like, 
when a squirrel runs out in the middle of the road. You're familiar with this squirrel, aren't you? The squirrel runs out in the middle of the road. And you tell the squirrel, do you, anyone else talk to the squirrel? To get, get, out of, get out of the road, squirrel. Get out of the road. And the, the squirrel darts to the left. You're like, okay, great. He's getting out of the road. No, 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 no. He's coming back now. He darts back to the right. Like, Come on, squirrel. You're going to kill us both. And he's back and forth and back and forth. And this squirrel is attempting to save his life. But what is he going to do, probably, if he doesn't get out of the road? He's going to lose his life if he doesn't get out of the road. He's, he's trying to escape harm, but he's putting himself in harm's way. This isn't exactly like that, but it's getting close. Or maybe like, um, I don't know how it was in anyone else's family, but in most of our families, if your mother calls you by your full name, you should probably just come on. Don't run and hide. That is not self-preservation. When I was four years old, my mama called me by my full name, and I ran and hid in the barn. She found me, and I should have come when I was called by my full name. That was, not, that was an attempt at self-preservation that did not work. You get in worse trouble. Look, saving your life in this context is not just like trying to get out of the way of something that's going to run you over. Hear this. This is kind of what I was able to understand this week, and I want to share with you. Saving your life here is saving your life for yourself. It's holding your life to yourself and not letting the Lord have it. It's holding back your life from God and His plans. Why would we hold back our life from God and His plans? Well, we do it all the time because God's plans seem less fun than our plans or uncomfortable or risky. We might think, well, okay, I know God says I should do things this way, but if I do it that way, it's going to be harder. It's going to cost me more. People might look at me weird, or maybe I'll miss out, or the big one is if I, if I give my life to God, if I do things God's way, then I'm going to have to give up some of the stuff that I like doing because I know God does not want me doing these things. He does not want this in my life. And if I give my life to God, I'll have to give that up. Or if you're like me, normally, uh, <laughs> normally I always have a plan. I'm like, okay, hey, God, cool, I'm glad you got a plan, but I, I've already got a plan. If you could get on board with my plan, then everything would be honky-dory. Is that a word people use, honky-dory? Well, I'm bringing it back right here, right now. If God would just get on board with my plan, I've always had a plan. God, I have a plan every time. Except if it's not God's plan, then it's not going to take you where you want to go. It's not going to take you good. And even if you get everything you ever dreamed of, you'll find it to be empty. Jesus is going to tell us that in just a minute. See, look, giving your, holding your life back from God is not just about like getting money and getting stuff and all of that. It's any area you hold back from God. What is that area of your life that you don't want God to take control of. A lot of folks struggle to give their relationships to God until their relationships are so out of whack they can't figure out any other way to do it. And then like, oh, okay, God, I'm giving this. I'm giving this to you now after it's wrecked. The things we hold back from God, some of our, our desires some of our dreams, 
the deep things on the inside? What, what is the thing that you hold on to and you don't want to give to God? That you don't want to trust Him with? We don't want to let it go because we're not sure how it's going to turn out. Here's the thing about that squirrel in the road who thinks he's doing what's best. He, he thinks he's doing what's best for him, right? And his little squirrel brain, I do not know what's on the mind of a squirrel. It cannot be much. And his little squirrel brain, he's running back and forth. And he thinks he's getting out of the way of trouble, right? He, in his mind, he's doing what it takes to survive for it to have a good outcome. And yet, he is putting himself in the harm's way. We are all too often the squirrel. And I'm not just talking about my fellow ADHD brothers and sisters in here who are kind of are like the, the little squirrel on Ice Age and is all over the place. I'm talking about we do what we think will make us happy, will give us a good life, and we're running here, and we're running there, and we don't understand that if we could just listen to God, we would get out of the road and get on a different path. In our attempt to save our lives, we lose our lives. <clears throat> You can get all the world has to offer. You can hold on to your life for, the, for your whole life. But if you never embrace the purpose God has for you, you're going to miss out. You're going to lose it. Lose on earth and lose in eternity. Okay, this isn't the only time Jesus flips a concept on his head. Remember, this is the Savior who defeated death, not by running away from death, but by doing what? Dying. He embraced death to defeat death. And he rose on the third day. Praise God, he rose on the third day and we can rise as well if we'll trust in him. Jesus says this, whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospels will save it. <clears throat> in this context, if saving your life is equal to holding your life to yourself, then losing your life in this context is letting it go to God, is releasing it to God, giving up completely to God, giving yourself to Jesus and to the gospel. What's the gospel? It's the good news of Jesus. And in making that choice, it's victory. Remember, the win is in surrender. The win is in surrender. People have it backwards. We think winning is living for ourselves and doing, having a life where nobody can tell us what to do and we get to do whatever we want and living for ourselves. Man, that ain't special. Everybody's trying to do that. That is the, the people think it makes them special to, to, I get to do whatever I want. Yeah, you and everybody else is trying to do that. Have you ever noticed the girls who say they're not like other girls or completely like the other girls who say they're not like other girls? Yep, you are unique. You're just as unique as all those other girls wearing those chucks. You are, <laughs> you see, in a world that rejects the plans and purposes of God, the only way to be truly a rebel is to, tr is to live for God. That's the rebellion now. I don't know if it was ever the case that it was like the normal conformist thing to do to, to have a true relationship with God. To show up to church, yeah, that was the cultural thing, at least for a, for a good while. But to truly live your life for Jesus sold out, that's always been an act of rebellion. Other religious people would kill you for that through the years. Other church people have been known to kill people for that through the years 
400, four or 500 years ago, they were drowning people in the Danube River in Germany for really practicing the faith of the scriptures. And these were other church people, man. You get really serious about God, man. That is the true, true rebellion. It's awesome. It's wonderful stuff, man. Listen, when you hold your life back from God, you lose something. Our culture has bought into the lie that living for yourself is really living. But it's not. It's just not. You miss out on real life here and eternal life later when you surrender your grip on your life and let go for God's purposes. Then you live. The win is in surrender. Now somebody's going to say, well, what about ambition? Aren't I supposed to grind? Aren't I supposed to plan? Aren't I supposed to work hard and push and do everything I can? Buddy, I get that. That's the way I'm built all the time trying to do something. I, I mean, I'm, this is, that's just the way I am. But Jesus also reminds us, if you want to grind and get and, and step on people and do whatever you've got to do to get more, even if you get it, it's not going to be what you think. Verse 36. This is a big, big, big one. Verse 36. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Leave it on verse 36, if you will. Yeah. For what will, a, what will it profit if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Okay. People are hung up on the Monopoly version of winning. How do you win at Monopoly, this game? You get all the money, you get all the property, and that's how you win. Interestingly, the game of Monopoly was originally invented as a satire to poke fun at how people exploit one another for gain. That's why it wasn't, like, and people completely missed the point, and Monopoly became very powerful. I love the game of Monopoly, which maybe says some unflattering things about me. Last time I played Monopoly... Um, okay, Katie's over here talking smack about Monopoly playing. Didn't I say that she always wins at the game of life every single time? And I saw her lean over and tell our oldest daughter, I hate playing Monopoly with him. <laughs> yeah. See, last time they played Monopoly, it was like the kids and one of their friends and, and uh, walked in. Elijah was a little younger at the time, and he was struggling. I said, hey, how about I slip in here and help Elijah a little bit? And boy, did, we help, did I help. See, Let's suppose you, the thing is about winning at Monopoly. Suppose you do win. Suppose you get it all. What have you got? You've got a stack of colored paper. And you have some damaged friendships. Usually. There are two things in this world guaranteed to put strain on relationships. Monopoly and Mario Kart. Anybody else ever play Mario Kart? <laughs> no one, you ain't all going to be friends after Mario Kart. I promise you. Look, the thing is, you get it all, but it costs you something. Maybe they won't play Monopoly with you anymore. What if you do get everything? What if you do? Jesus poses this. So, suppose you gain the whole world, which you probably won't, because for every gazillionaire. Elon Musk, there's 7 billion other people in the world who if they did everything they could and stepped on everybody and took every advantage and cut every throat could never get there. Most people will never be able to get all of it. But just suppose you did get all of it. 
all the monopoly money, all the properties, the railroads, the utilities, and you got a hotel on all of it. Then what? If it costs you your soul. Because it probably will. The devil tempted Jesus with that very thing. Do you remember that story of how the devil came to Jesus and said, if you'll just bow down to me, I'll give you everything. Took him into a high mountain and showed him the whole world and said, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And, and that wasn't, the devil wasn't actually playing because this world is in the hands of the devil currently. That situation is going to be remedied soon enough, praise God. But right now, that was not, he wasn't just talking. But it would have cost him his soul and he wasn't willing. Another guy, King Solomon, remember him from the Old Testament? Incredibly rich, crazy, crazy rich. We have no real metric for that. I mean, you think of some of these super rich guys like Elon and Jeff Bezos and Warren Buffett and all these guys. He was super crazily rich. Solomon was. He could have anything he wanted and no one could stop him. Good thing he wasn't a super bad guy because he could have done a, more damage than he did. Solomon started out as a guy whose heart was really close to God, but the more that he got, it seemed to get further away from him. He literally could have any pleasure that he wanted, food and drink and entertainment. He had a harem of a thousand women. He could not have possibly known all their names. I mean, that makes no sense to me at all he literally had everything and then he wrote this book called ecclesiastes you ever read that you read ecclesiastes and he says i got everything i've had everything i've tried everything and you know what i have found it to be vanity empty it's nothing i've got everything you're supposed to have to be happy and yet it is emptiness i think god let solomon have all of that Mostly for that purpose. So that somebody who loved the Lord would have the chance to have everything and could tell everyone else who wasn't going to have it all, even if you got it all, it's empty. Hey, you got to have a certain amount of money to live. You really got to. And that it's tough if you, ha if you don't have enough to meet your needs and, and a little extra. It makes it super tough. But even if you had it all, if you gained the whole world, it would not truly fulfill you and let's just get real people will sell their soul for a whole lot less than the whole world people will trade their integrity for a fistful of dollars a bigger chunk of the inheritance or the approval of strangers on the internet so if you live for yourself you might gain something might no guarantees but even if you gain the whole world You'll lose more than you bargained for in the end. It's empty in the end. Living for yourself is empty in the end. If you surrender your life to the plans and the purposes of God, you will miss out on some things. There are some things that you will not be able to take part of because that will not line up with who you are as a child of God. But you'll also miss out on some self-destruction. And you'll miss out on slavery to sin. You'll miss out on idolatry. You'll miss out on the devil having a grip on you. You'll miss out on the emptiness of a life lived for self. Jesus said, if you got the whole world and it cost you your soul, what good is it? 
And what would you give to get your soul back? And he leaves it hanging like that. What would you give to get your soul back? He doesn't tell you you can. What would you do to get it back? Earthly gain is temporary. Eternity is forever. When you hold your life back from God, you will lose it. And I don't necessarily mean you'll just like up and die. I mean, you'll lose who you were meant to be, who you are, your purpose. The win is not in living for self. The win is in surrender. All right, there's, there's like one more verse here, verse 38, I want us to see. This is a heavy, heavy verse. I don't want to dwell on it very long, but there's this day of accountability coming, and I, we can't leave it on the table here. Jesus said, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and the holy with the holy angels. Ooh, that is heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. If you live your life for you, you will lose. The world tells you it is winning, but it is not winning. The world's got this one wrong. Even if you manage to get everything, all of it, you still lose. Truly winning at life means you give your life to God's plan and God's purposes. I want you to see that, look, what is really winning doesn't always look like winning. Sometimes winning looks like losing. When Elijah was five, I taught him how to play chess. And he picked up on it pretty quickly. And once he understood the concept, I stopped going super easy on him. And his mother, who's a sweet, wonderful, nurturing human being, said, why are you making him cry? He's five. He's five years old. What are you doing? So I'm trying to make a man out of him, honey. He should have grown up on the farm with me and my uncles. He'd known crying and went crying over their chess game. No, but, and she's like, why are you being so hard on him? But I, I wanted him to earn it. <clears throat> Every time he lost a game, he actually won something. He won some experience. And this goes on for like seven years. And then this year, the tides have turned. Look at him grin. Look at that little goofball grin. This dude has started to beat me at chess, fair and square. He's winning close to half the games now. Hey, I ain't bad at chess. I ain't great, but I ain't bad. Look at him. Look at him. He can't even hold it back. He's trying not to smile. Feels good, doesn't it, son, to whip the old man. I beat my dad at boxing. He beats me at chess. It's a different world, man. 2023's got me, got my head spinning. So he's beating me now, and it looks like I'm losing. But in reality, I'm winning. Because the goal was to never win the match. Folks, it ain't that hard to beat a five-year-old at chess. The goal was never to beat him at chess. The goal was for him to get so good that I couldn't beat him. The goal is to lose. Because if I'm losing, I'm winning. Because that was the point all along. That's how I win. I win by losing. Every time he beats me at chess, it's a bigger victory than me beating him. Because his growth and the time spent with him and that smile on his goofy face is what it's all been about this whole time. I love it. I'm super happy to lose to you at chess, my man. 
All right? I'm happy about it. I say all that to say this. Winning doesn't always look like winning. Not when your goals are bigger. Okay, if you live your life for the Lord, you give your life to God and do things His way, it's going to look like you're losing sometimes. In the work environment, if you are living for the Lord, it's going to look like you're losing sometimes because you won't cut corners that other people cut. And you won't talk behind other people's back like other people at work do. I work in a professional environment, and I still hear some people sometimes saying some things that they shouldn't about others. You won't do that. Look, if you live, it looks like losing in the short term, doesn't it? If you live in your life for God, you've given your heart to God, you are doing things His way in your most important relationships, there are going to be some things that look like losing at the time. It's going to look like losing when you concede to the other person. When you patiently endure when someone is saying something to you you don't feel good about. And you, you, may, have to take, you may have to take your hits. It's not going to feel like winning at the time. It's going to feel like losing. But in the end, it's a victory. It is a win. When you live for God, hey, He'll make that right. God will take care of that. When we are pursuing a God-given purpose, that's where real life is found. Living for ourselves is empty. You hold on to your life. You hold it close to yourself. You lose it. But when you let God have it, you gain it. The win isn't in winning The win is in surrender. So the question is now, what are you holding back from God? And even if you've walked with him an awfully long time, chances are there's something that you're holding back. There's some little bit that you're holding back from God that you have not given over to him. What is it? What are you holding back from God? Your stuff, your money, your ambition, your plans, some important relationship, Maybe it's just the stuff that makes you anxious, that you try to give to God, but you kind of reach out and pull it back. It's time to let it go. I don't know what you're holding on to, but it's time to let it go. The win is in surrendering that to him. Let's go to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would give us the courage to recognize what we need to let go of, And surrender it to you. We don't want to be selfish with our lives. We don't want to live for ourselves. It's empty. We want to live for you. So right now, Lord, we're lifting up to you these things. We're letting them go, Lord. We're surrendering these things to you. We ask that you'll take them and that you'll lead lead us in them. Lord, I want to pray for Recreate Church. As a church, we are surrendering all of this to you. We dare not hold on to it, Lord. We give it all to you. You lead the way. Your plans, your purpose, your glory. That is what we want. And as we pursue that, Lord, I know that's where we'll find fulfillment. Lord, it is all yours. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The win is in surrender. Remember that. Lord willing, we'll be back together next week, starting in Mark chapter 9, if you want to go ahead and read ahead. And uh, then we'll have a couple of weeks where we'll get a little something different and get back. 
hey, I want to give you a little update on Billy Honeycutt and his mission trip. You know, we sent him out of this room last week with our blessing and with our prayers. He is in Peru now and he's doing really well and the Lord's giving him opportunities. And you will not be at all surprised to hear that the Lord has blessed him to connect with people and he's been able to share the gospel and he's, they've got him a pottery wheel. He's going to be able to do his pottery ministry. Thank you for your prayers. And he and Kelly ask us to pray especially for their granddaughter Riley who is having surgery this week. She has a tremendous amount of health problems, so remember to pray for them. Well, that's all I got, folks. Go give it away. Go surrender it, because that's where the win is. We'll catch you next time, all right?